No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see that before Joseph would reveal himself to his brothers, he had one more test. God allows us to be tested to show us what's in our hearts. We hope you'll join us now as Pastor Daryl continues in Genesis chapter 44 on Simply the Bible. It had been a wonderful time of feasting and merriment. The 11 sons of Israel had everything they could have hoped for. Simeon was restored to them. The prime minister treated them kindly, and he even prepared a great feast for them in his own house. Of course, they still didn't know that their host was really their long-lost brother, Joseph. But truly, God had been merciful. We pick it up in Genesis 44. And he, that is Joseph, commanded the steward of his house, saying, Fill the men's sacks with food, as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack. Also put my cup, the silver cup, in the mouth of the sack of the youngest, and his grain money. So he did according to the word that Joseph had spoken. It is now nighttime. When they feasted earlier in the day, Joseph tested his brothers to see if they would be envious by giving their youngest brother, Benjamin, five times as much food as them. Twenty-two years earlier, they had become envious of Joseph because he had received the special coat from their father. Had they changed? But the brothers passed this test. They seemed to be unfazed by Benjamin's allotment, but instead drank and were merry with him. But now Joseph had one more test up his sleeve. Over two decades earlier, his brothers had betrayed him for 20 pieces of silver. Would they now remain loyal to Benjamin, or would they forsake him to save their own skin? Joseph devises a scheme to expose their hearts. He commands his steward to fill their sacks with as much food as they can carry home and puts each man's money in the mouth of his sack as before. But Joseph also tells him to hide his personal silver cup in Benjamin's sack. The steward does it all. Verse 3. As soon as the morning dawned, the men were sent away, they and their donkeys. When they had gone out of the city, they were not yet far off. Joseph said to his steward, Get up, follow the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? Is not this the one from which my Lord drinks and with which he indeed practices divination? You have done evil in so doing. The brothers must have been greatly relieved to hear that the prime minister was sending them back home with Simeon, Benjamin, and ample food for their families. Mission accomplished. But little did they know that the steward who had been so kind to them the previous day was about to overtake and accuse them. Joseph put the words into the steward's mouth. Why have you repaid evil for good? Is not this the one from which my Lord drinks and with which he indeed practices divination? Egyptians were known for practicing divination using a cup. They would claim to read future events in the arrangements of small particles of gold, silver, or tea leaves in the water. They believed that the spirits who knew future events 
would act on the cup's contents to form these messages. Referring to the cup of divination was probably just a ruse for Joseph to convince his brothers that he was an all-knowing Egyptian lord. We know that Joseph did not need to practice divination, for he was able to foretell the future through the gift God had given him in interpreting dreams. Verse 6, So he overtook them, and he spoke to them these same words. And they said to him, Why does my Lord say these words? Far be it from us that your servant should do such a thing. Look, we brought back to you from the land of Canaan the money which we found in the mouth of our sacks. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? With whomever of your servants it is found, let him die. And we also will be my Lord's slaves. And he said, Now also let it be according to your words. He with whom it is found shall be my slave, and you shall be blameless. The brothers are shocked that they would be accused of such a thing, and they offer a good defense. Why would we bring you back double money if we were thieves? They are so convinced of their innocence that they make a rash statement. With whomever of your servants it is found, let him die, and we also will be my Lord's slaves. The steward picks up on this saying, Let it be as you say, except the one with whom it is found shall be my slave. The rest of you are free to go. You see, Joseph wanted Benjamin to stay. Then each man speedily let down his sack to the ground and each opened his sack. So he searched. He began with the oldest and left off with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes, and each man loaded his donkey and returned to the city. As each man opened his sack from the oldest to the youngest, no doubt they were very confident, dare I say, even smug. But imagine their shock and horror when the steward pulled out the gleaming silver cup from Benjamin's sack. They all tore their clothes in agony as each man returned to the city. 22 years earlier, they abandoned Joseph and tore his coat to make it look like he was devoured by a wild animal. Now the open door of freedom was before them. They could abandon Benjamin and justify it all by saying that it was his own fault for stealing the silver cup. Then finally, they would be rid of all their father's favorite sons. They could go back home and not even have to lie to Jacob about Benjamin. In addition, they would have to only split the inheritance ten ways. But something has deeply changed in these men. Now it is their own clothes they are tearing, and rather than going home, they stick with Benjamin and go back to the fearsome lord of the land. They are even willing to be his slaves in order to show loyalty to their youngest brother. People do change. Verse 14, so Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house and he was still there and they fell before him on the ground. And Joseph said to them, what deed is this you have done? Did you not know that such a man as I can certainly practice divination? Joseph wants him to believe that he has supernatural knowledge by divination. It's all part of the act. This test As difficult as it was for Joseph and his brothers to endure, was necessary to really know their hearts. 
It is interesting that Joseph uses the silver cup that was supposedly used for divination to reveal the secrets of their hearts. This is also how God uses things in our lives to test us and to reveal our hearts. 400 years later, God would again test the children of Israel and Moses would speak to them about it. In Deuteronomy 8.2, he says, And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. God's most severe tests do not usually occur in times of blessing and prosperity when everything is going our way. But God humbles us to test us. He puts us into situations that we don't like. He allows people in our lives to buffet us. He allows physical pain or material deprivation. He exalts others around us so that we are humbled. And now the conditions are right. So the inner recesses of our heart can be revealed. It isn't that God needs to see what is in our hearts, for he searches our hearts and he knows everything. But the test comes so that we can see what is in our hearts. The tests bring to the surface what is deep within. Will we keep the commandments of the Lord or not? Will we be loyal or not? Will we be envious of others or not? The test comes so that we and others can see what we're really made of. That is why James tells us, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Joseph's brothers are now revealing that they have changed. They have overcome the sins of envy and betrayal. If they are to be the nation that God promises they will be, if they are to inherit the land of Canaan, if they are to be the people through whom the Messiah will come, who will bless the world, then they need to stick together. They need brotherly love and loyalty. Their corporate decision to return to Egypt demonstrates their fraternal solidarity. They get an A plus on this test. Then Judah said, What shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak, or how shall we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Here we are, my Lord's slaves, both we and he also with whom the cup was found. It is clear that they can say nothing in their defense. They are caught silver-handed, as we might say, Even if they suspect that they have been framed, they don't dare bring this up to the prime minister. Judah confesses, God has found out the iniquity of your servants. What does he mean by this? The guilt they have carried for 22 years comes out. Even if they aren't guilty in the matter of the silver cup, God is finally visiting their iniquities. As Moses would say centuries later, Be sure your sin will find you out. Time may go by. You may think you're getting away with it. God is patient with you, for he is not willing that you should perish for your sin, but that you should repent of it. But if we won't repent, then our sin will find us out. The day will come when God will 
find our iniquity for all to see. Judah and his brothers are so convicted that they are even willing to become slaves of the prime minister. But he said, far be it from me that I should do so. The man in whose hand the cup was found, he shall be my slave. And as for you, go up in peace to your father. Joseph gives them one last test. He opens the door of liberty wide. They can all go back, except for Benjamin. He alone will remain as a slave. This is the exact scenario that Joseph faced 22 years earlier. He has perfectly set it up. The brothers can save their own skin and let Benjamin be a slave in Egypt. They can go home to their father and their families in peace. What will they do? Sometimes in life, we are hurt deeply by people we love or who have been close to us. How do we deal with this pain? There is a tendency to think that people don't change. But have we changed? Are we a different person from how we were as an adolescent? The only way we can know if someone has really changed is to look at the fruit of their lives. Do they bring forth the fruit of repentance? We should all pray for that, even in the people who have hurt us the most. And then we should look for it. God believes in family reunions, and so should we. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. They meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at Pepper Ridge Elementary School in Boise. To listen to any of Pastor Daryl's teachings or to find out more about the church, just go by their website. It's at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. Now tomorrow we're going to see that Judah steps in to intercede for his brother Benjamin. It's a beautiful expression of love and a picture of the one who would give his life for the world. We hope you'll join us as we continue through Genesis on Simply the Bible.